Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. First of all, I want to thank you so much for all the prayers that you've been giving up to the Lord for me. And um, I wanted to come this morning because I just felt like I wanted to share a little bit of my journey with you. I'm sorry I haven't been able to make it until now. It's I don't have a lot of strength these days. And uh, unfortunately, my strength wears out pretty fast. And so uh, you might notice um, I went on a, a weight loss plan. It's been very successful, <laughs> but um, I wouldn't recommend it to most of you. And uh, so you understand that. Let, let, me, let me begin by, I want to share uh, a bit of the journey. And also I want to share with you what God has been teaching me and some of the lessons that he's been showing me. It's been pretty phenomenal. On January 12th, um, I went to my doctor because I turned yellow. <laughs> um, not my usual color. And uh, my yellow had actually started to appear very... Um, my wife said, uh, either you spend a lot of time with the Lord or you're preparing for Halloween. I'm not sure which. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was so yellow. And, of course, I, on January 12th, I went to see my doctor. He had no appointments left. But when he heard that uh, what my situation was, he immediately uh, said, get him to come right down. And it was shortly after that, he said, I'm going to put in an urgent CT scan in for you, and we'll see what's going on. And so um, uh, what happened was um, I went in on uh, the 17th of January for a CT scan. And... Um, the very next morning, I, my doctor said, You'll not, I won't get the results for a couple of days. And he said, I'll, um, I'll make an appointment for you for Friday to come in and see what the results are. Well, on uh, the Friday morning, my doctor's at my door. And when your doctor shows up at your door, you know it's probably not good news. And um, he blessed me. He's been blessing me in so many ways. So he, he, I, Heather had already gone to work. And so he said, I just want to, I needed to come by and just share with you what we've uh, seen on the CT scan. And he said, it, it looks like pancreatic cancer. But he said, until we get a biopsy done and so forth, I'm not going to confirm that diagnosis until we have further diagnosis. So th that, that morning I had some time by myself. And um, I think it was that morning I was looking at scripture and I, I, um, I came across a verse that sort of has been my uh, foundation verse. And the verse is, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. Isn't that good? And he helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in song of thanksgiving. Now, it's true. That morning I... I, I cried, <laughs> and um, it is so good, right there, right away, God's presence was there in a powerful way. He filled, he filled my heart um, with peace. He entered my tears. He entered the reality I was about to face. I want to share with you a couple of truths that God shared with me as I started it early on. Number one. Heather looked at my list and she says, it's a five-point sermon. And I said, uh, well, 
We'll see how far we get. So one of the things after that, I started praying the prayer, Lord, I want to hold on to you with all my might. I want to hold on to the, your truths. I don't want to fail you now. I don't want to disappoint you now. I don't want to mess up at this point of my journey. And uh, I love it when God interrupts your prayer. He interrupts my prayer right in the middle. He says to me, excuse me? He says, who's holding on to who? I'm holding on to you, not you holding on to me. And because I hold on to you, you have something to hold on to. Do you hear the difference? It's subtle, but it's clear. I'm holding on to you. Therefore, you have something to hold on to. You see, I hold on to the confession of my faith because God has a hold of me. And because of that, I was reminded of John chapter 10. You know the verses. My shepherd hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch him out of his hand. I and my father are one. It was like the Lord was saying, you need to get this right. You need to get um, the, it right. You know, you can have just, you can have your truth. And if it's just a little bit off, it's going to lead you a bit off. The faith that we have in the Lord is because he's faithful. The love we give to others is because he loves us. We love because he first loved us. It's not our greatness, it's his greatness. It's not our glory, it's his glory. It's not our ability to handle the trials of life. It is his ability to handle the trials of life in and through us. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how deep the water is, there's no place in this world that is deeper and, and, and over God's head. <laughs> you know the story I've told you before. You know, um, there was an evening, I phoned a friend of mine in Alberta, uh, Dwight. Many of you heard me speak of Dwight before. And um, he'd been through many crises in his life. And uh, one of the cri crises, he, he lost his brother suddenly at 51. Then his wife had a heart attack. Then they were in a serious car accident that both his mother and his sister-in-law were killed, and he and his wife were in the hospital for a long time. And so I asked him, I said, Dwight, I says, what was your focus during that season to keep you going through this hard time that you faced? And we talked about spiritual things, how God kept him focused, how God kept him true, how God kept him there. But he says, let me tell you the temporal matters. And he said, he said to me, he says, you know, Neil, a surfer gets out in the ocean and a wave gets underneath of him, and that wave carries him towards the shore. He says, when you are in the thick of it, and you're in deep waters, 
when people pray for you, when people come along and encourage you, when people live for the cause of Christ and allow the incarnation of Christ to live through you and bless you through that, it's like they're the wave that gets underneath you and carries you towards the shore. Do you see it? Do you see how important your prayers are? Don't think for a moment your prayers aren't being answered. They are. Those are the prayers that when I get up on the morning and I face my day, I know that underneath me are the very strength and the will of God being fulfilled because people had the courage to pray when it didn't make sense to pray. Your prayers are essential. They're so important. We say, we lean back and say, well, Pastor Neil is being healed. Oh, <laughs> yes, I am. I'm being healed. And let me explain that to you. I'm being healed on a daily basis. I may not have the cure for the disease, but I do have the healing for every day. God has healed me from my fears. I have no fear of dying. I don't like the idea. You know, I don't get it. I wake up any, every morning and say, yippee, I get to die today. <laughs> That's uh, really not where I'm at. Because quite honestly, I'd like to stick around. But he has taken away the fear of death. Why? Because Christ has conquered sin and death. He has overcome the power of sin and death. Death has no claim to me. Death does not claim who I am because I'm in Christ. So he's taken away the fear of death. He's bundled up my worries and said, bring all your worries to me. Forgive me for this voice, but, but it, it uh, fades on me readily. He has, he has helped Heather and I face in a lot of concerns. This cancer is moving a lot faster than we want it to. Um, there's a lot of things to try and get done. And, uh, but God has been proving he can get it done. And he's to be trusted. Listen to me. I'm taking all that I've preached and taught and believed. And I'm living it. And it's true. What God has promised is true. What he said he will do, he does. The other thing, he's healed us. He's been healing us of, in our grief. We've been grieving. Yeah. Um, we've been grieving loss. Um, I've been grieving my strength. I, you know, I go to do something and uh, my muscles just aren't there. <laughs> um, I'd hate to take on a strong 10-year-old kid. I think he'd whoop me. <laughs> but, um, you know, First um, Corinthians chapter 2 says that God, our Heavenly Father, is our comfort. He's my comfort. He is my safe place. He is my comfort in the face of my grief. My pain. 
the pain of past regrets. I have some. I wish I could have. <laughs> you know, we sit there and, and feel like failures. I've gone through moments of mocking my own success in following and doing the things in the Lord. And one morning, I was said, okay, Lord, if, um, if this cancer is going to take my life, and I used if, at least allow me to lead one person to the Lord that I know that they found the Lord. And I said it kind of in a sarcastic way. Because, you know, you feel like, okay, who have I won to the Lord lately? Who, who, who's coming to the kingdom, right? Not an hour later, I was on Facebook. I don't know why I went on Facebook. I hadn't let anybody know about the pancreatic cancer or what I was facing yet. And uh, a guy that had been in our church in Caroline, now lives in Newfoundland, had put this post and said, Neil, I just wanted to let you know. But I've always wanted to let you know this, but I never have. But back when I was attending your service, he says, in that service, you spoke and I experienced the reality of Christ, and I want you to know it was through you I came to Jesus. God works that way. I was being sarcastic and mocking, and God hit me up the side of the head and said, I know how to even use guys like you. <laughs> That's pretty good news, hey? He knows how to use us. So, so yeah, we go through those moments of feeling low down and feeling like a failure but god takes those regrets and say i'm bigger than your regrets and i can take you at the weakest and do the most amazing things since i've let people know about my cancer those kind of emails and texts have not stopped coming we um we had the privilege of having a young woman in our house help to her through some of her teen years, which wasn't easy, back in Alberta. And, um, and so I get a text the other day and said, Neil, we're flying out. We're going to come see you. And um, quite honestly, I, I don't have a lot of stamina left to hear and see a lot of visitors. So I was feeling a little overwhelmed by that. And she says, don't worry about it. We've got our own place, our own car, and we'll come whenever you're up to even seeing us, even if it's not for long. Because what Jesus did through you. And you know, it's good news. You're not going to know how God used you until you get to heaven. <laughs> you're not going to know how much God used you until you stand before him. And you know what? You're going to be surprised. You're going to be surprised how God took the weak vessel and did great things through you. He has. And, um, and don't be goofy and sarcastic like me. Don't live in your past regrets. We've talked about that. Move on. Ask God to forgive you. Do whatever necessary because past regrets will keep you in the past and God wants to live you alive now. 
You live in the past regrets. You won't be alive today. We never get a chance to live if we don't forgive ourselves and allow God to forgive us. He is able to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so therefore, he sets us free from those things and those failings in our lives so that we can be alive today and live to his glory today. And failures, yes, I have failures. But again, God has forgiven me of those failures and he helps me to move on. Wow, honey, I'm to the fourth point already. So I spent 10 days in the hospital. One night after getting, I, um, I have watched very, uh, the amazing work of God as I was in the hospital. Do you know the exciting thing about it is? I was saying and doing things I did not have the wisdom for. All of a sudden, I was saying something to a man across, the, across me in the bed across me. And all of a sudden, I was saying things to him. And he was a retired, he'd been retired um, um, fire chief. He was a fire chief in Edmonton. And uh, I'm talking and just saying, said something. He asked a question, and I said to him something, and I said, where did that come from? Well, I knew. It was a goofy question, but I asked it anyways. God gave, I, I, and as I spoke to this man, I said, wow. I even thought it was a good answer because it came from God. And that man said to me, you know what? That's true. That is truth. And I'm saying to myself, this man isn't far from the kingdom of God because he recognized God's truth. I can tell you, even the nurses who came into that room uh, were saying, there's something going on in that room. It's kind of crazy in a good way. And um, I got a chance to share with a man who was kitty corner for me. When I was first roommate, he had a tendency to, to uh, swear a blue street <clears throat> and then some. And um, a tough go. He had a tough life. And he was supposed to go home, supposed to go home. And finally, Heather said to me one day, he, she whispered to me, I don't think God's done with him yet. I think that's why he was still here. And uh, he got out the day before I got out. I, um, I really think that God was doing some work in these men's uh, lives. The man right next to me is a fireman. He had a, a gallbladder attack. And his wife, I had a chance to share with him in, in indirect ways about the Lord and so forth. Finds out that his wife and his daughter go to church. And they've been trying to get his, the, her husband to go. Guess what God was doing? He was revealing himself to this man. Didn't matter how sick I was. Because God's greater than my sickness. Then one day, three pastors. Kevin Seibel. Well, he's not pastoring now. Gary Bennett. And Pat Weems. Uh, made a 10-hour journey from the coast to come to uh, my hospital room. The three guys were there. They said, even if we don't get to see you, we're still coming. And uh, we, we, um, we shared. Adrian came too. He was there with me. And uh, we just uh, shared together. Had a wonderful time of sharing and praying together. 
and they anointed me with oil. And um, it was just a good time of loving each other. We had a good time just feeling the love amongst each other. And they left. And um, I text them as about a half hour or so later. Um, maybe an hour later, I text them. I says, you know, you guys, you just have no idea how much you've blessed me. That you put all this effort to come all this way to see me. Really bless me. And, um, and they sent back a text, Neil, you far out blessed us than you, ble than you, we blessed you. We are more than blessed by you today. And I, and I, as, as he, as I was reading this text, I had this picture in my mind. Um, all of a sudden I had this picture of a surgeon and he puts on his surgeon gloves and he goes into the operating room and does this amazing surgery on someone to either save their lives or to make them better or whatever. And then I thought, as I was thinking about this, I think it's about the carpenter put on his gloves and he builds this amazing home. Or I thought about the welder who put on his welding gloves and builds this amazing piece of artwork or a cab to a truck or, or uh, the body of, uh, of uh, a logging truck and does this amazing work. And then I saw the image of how God, the incarnate Christ, puts on the glove of Andrew, the glove of Derek, the glove of Gerald or the, uh, the Val or, or, or Dale or Rita. He puts on that glove and then he ministers to each other. You see, when you live for Jesus and Jesus is living in you, he puts, he, you become the incarnation of Christ. Do you understand that? He gives you the privilege of being used by him in a mighty way. Live as surrendered. Listen to me. The greatest testimony of God's work in this church is you to live as incarnate people with his love towards one another. And when you come to church and you see a brother and sister not in church, it's your responsibility to be the glove of Christ to go and minister, to go and encourage, to go and strengthen your brother and sister's faith so that they do not lose faith, but they are restored in their faith and don't dare judge, but love one another. It says in 1 John, I believe it's the fourth chapter, no one has ever seen God, but if you love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Did you get that? Let me read it again. <laughs> no one has ever seen God, but in you they can see God. See, nobody's seen him, but you're the incarnation of Christ. As Jesus came to the world, he was the incarnation of the Father. Now he's called you and me to be the incarnation of Christ in our world. And it says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives 
in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Do you want the world to be turned around and turned upside down? Love as God has called you to love. Love in a way that is sacrificial. You know why the early church turned the world upside down in the early days? It's because they loved sacrificially. They were willing to live in a way they gave up all their worth, worldly wealth to help a brother and sister in need. They were willing to sacrifice their time to love somebody else. Listen, love radically, sacrificially. Love with deep commitment because he is worthy of every ounce of your effort, every ounce of your life, and every moment of your time on a daily basis. My wife is whispering to me, you're preaching. Can't, can't, can't help that. Can't help that when you get a preacher up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, to me, when I look at the early church and I look what they became, it was because of how they lived. You know, I, I read a story about the plagues. And you've heard me share this, I think. And how the Christians would stay and they'd minister to their neighbor. And a lot of times they would die with their neighbor. But some of them lived. And they became, um, they became, almost, they became immune to the, uh, the plague. And they were living miracles. If you die and living for Jesus, you're a living miracle. If you live and you live for him, and you don't allow the plague of sin to control you, you're a living miracle. And so we get to live as living miracles. So you can pray this week. My, let me tell you another thing. The doctors, uh, my doctor particularly, has been amazing. I, I, get, I, I, I hug him every time I see him. And he knows a hug's coming. <laughs> And um, uh, you know what he's been blessing us with? Uh, I make a doctor's appointments and he comes to my house instead and sees me. And he says, I don't have enough time when you come. So I come this morning because we need time. God's doing a work. And God's given me the privilege to minister to my doctor. And him to minister to. Did you know what? He's being used of God. To minister to me. So let me tell you. I, um, my second ERCP. Uh, procedure. That's when they go down through your mouth. With this little thing. They put two stents. into One into my bile duct. And one into my pancreas. To try and make me less yellow. Which I was very thankful for. Because um, the uh, bilirubin in your blood starts to make you itchy. And uh, unfortunately, so I was scratching, not trying not to. My wife said, honey, stop scratching. And um, I resisted that 
voice and kept scratching. <laughs> uh, but the, the uh, thing that happened to me that I ended up, should have listened to the voice, as I ended up with a skin infection. And uh, I ended up with all over my chest, my back, and, and so I was put on antibiotics. And, and, um, and then just a few days after that, we were having trouble at home getting hold of my pain. My pain just kept on getting worse and worse. We went to the hospital, and uh, uh, while we were at the hospital, they, could, they were having trouble getting hold of my pain. And, uh, pardon me? Yeah. And, um, and then what happened was um, I ended up, they, they ended up with a very serious infection. So I um, was having a CT scan on Tuesday. Early the next morning, they bundled me up and sended me by that, uh, not the ambulance, the other guys, the stretcher barriers or whatever they call them. And they whipped me down to, to Kelowna. And um, this is the second time. And you know what? Every time I've tried to learn the doctor's name and the nurse's names, in, no matter how long I have with them, I want to show them they're valuable, that, that Jesus loves them, even if I get only a few moments. So this was the second time. The first time... When I went in, I should have told you about that. The first time I went in for my ERCP, as I'm going into the room, I'm getting to know some of the nurses and stuff and the doctor and uh, calling them by name. And then I said to him, oh, by the way, this team is being prayed by my team back home. And I just wanted you guys to know that, that a team back home is praying for you this morning. And um, the lady standing right beside me says to me, my, my husband's the pastor of the Trinity Baptist Church here in town. And uh, it was kind of neat. And then they put me to sleep to shut me up. <laughs> and uh, so the, the second ERCP I had was actually turned out to be a life-saving one. When they, when they went in, they uh, put a larger stent. And what had happened, my uh, bile duct had become infected and plugged the stent they had put in just five days before. And was backing up, and and I was in I was in a bad way, and um, they um, when they when they were there, and again I was getting to know the doctor's name and the nurse. The same some of the same nurses were there, and uh, so again I said, oh by the way, um, I have a group of people praying for you guys back at home, and um, and then I said to ask them, I said, so what does it feel like to be the answer to someone's prayer? Dead silence. It's like, I could almost sense in the room, now how do we say anything without offending somebody here? And uh, finally the doctor pipes up and says, hey, that's kind of neat, he says. And then a nurse very quietly says, I've never been an answer to someone's prayer. And then they put me to sleep. <laughs> Those are the moments that you do not realize and recognize how amazing God is until you're in the midst of it and seeing it. Uh, cancer is not a fun journey. You know that. No, it's not a fun journey. But I am experiencing some of the most amazing moments with God in powerful ways. And I wish that some of the spiritual depth I'm mining at this time, 
I've experienced before even more. I want to encourage you. This world is fleeting. It's passing away. Don't spend all your time and energy in things of this world. Invest in the things of the Lord. Invest your time and energy with him. Raise your family, your grandchildren with the love of Jesus. Don't do it in your own strength. Allow him to anoint you and speak through you. Become the incarnation of Christ. And you cannot do that if God's second in your life. You can't do that if he's optional. He needs to be your only option. He must be your sole option. And come to him and surrender all yourself to him so that he can do all the things that you, he ever dreamt you to be and want you to be. And get rid of those regrets. Get rid of those. Stop hanging on to things you need to forgive people for. Don't go and stand before the throne of grace and expect God's wonderful grace when you've been less graceful towards people that need to be forgiven. Remember what has been spoken before. Holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Just like my spiritual little alteration of getting sidetracked by me thinking I had to hold on to God to make it through. God came and adjusted my thinking. You see, therefore be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God renewed my mind that morning and said, you know the truth. And it was so funny because on our wall, we have this picture of Jesus hugging this man and holding on to him. And my wife says to me, we've had that picture up there for all these years and you forget this. Yeah, we do. And sometimes we need to be reminded of the basic truth of the gospel. And the basic truth of the gospel is Jesus is life. You can't get spiritual life anywhere else. There is all kinds of spirituality out there, but it's man-made, man-made up. It's not the truth. God alone brings us the truth of life through Jesus Christ. He is the spiritual life. The only reason I have no fear of death, because Jesus is my life. He has given me life. I have spiritual life today because of him. And church, you have this wonderful message worth sharing with everyone. This church can be filled up with people you minister to in your whatever days you got left to bring the reality of Jesus to him. Now, if God doesn't heal me, by the way, he heals me one way or the other. We often hear that, but we want the one, not the other. But if Jesus chooses to, to say, I'm going to heal you by taking me home, I'm okay with that. Yes and no. I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with that. Uh, because there's a lot of things I'd love to get done yet. <laughs> but you know what? My God's big enough to get whatever I didn't get done, done. I didn't feel like I got everything done here at the church yet. <laughs> but, but God was showing me last year that um, 
I was serving with a wonderful young man and his wife. And God was showing me that he was preparing someone to be a senior pastor at some point. I don't know if it's this year, next year, whenever. But I know God is doing great and wonderful things in Adrian. And um, I want you to know, I, I know what God can do. And he's doing great things through him. Love him. I know you're doing this already. But love him, support him, believe in him. Remember, I was 25 when I started pastoring my first pastorate. And I had someone come to my door in Caroline, knock on the door. I went and answered the door. And the guy says, is your dad here? And uh, I said, no, he doesn't live here. He says, well, I'd like to pre speak to the preacher. And I says, I'm it. And you could almost see on their face uh, shock. Are you even out of high school? I remember that. And you know what? God took youthfulness and gave me ability far beyond my youthfulness to do his will. Don't ever allow young men to be thought less of. Because God does mighty things through young men. And God will do great things through our young man. To his glory. Love him. Support him. Be there for him. And if you decide not to come to church because I'm not here. I know this is not biblical, but I think I'll come and haunt you. <laughs> it's that's not a biblical statement I guarantee you you come to church because you need Jesus and you need to worship him but more than that you need each other you need to love each other and God has given you an opportunity to do that right here he's given you an opportunity to build his church and I want to say thank you to all of you for loving me the way you have. All these years, you have loved me and supported me. And I wish, I really do, I wish I could sit down with every one of you and give you a big hug and look you in the eyes and say to you, I love you because it's true. And forgive me for not maybe being able to do that. Because this week I'm supposed to start chemo. And chemo is, is I, I'm, I'm in palliative care. And uh, the chemo is not meant to cure me. God, can you cure me? The, uh, the chemo is meant to try and shrink my tumor. The tumor... Um, is inside my pancreas. It's in my liver. And the last CT scan also shows that it started in my lungs. And, uh, but the chemo is intended to shrink my, my tumor, which would be a good thing because it would help alleviate some of my pain. 
I'm on a pretty high dose of morphine. And so, yes, I'm under the influence of drugs this morning. <laughs> I confess. <laughs> and, um, but, um, so, I, uh, I want to say I love you. I thank you for what you've done for me. And thank you for letting Jesus to love me through you. You know, he revealed so much of himself through you to me. Thank you for that. Now, just so you know, I'm going to be sneaking out this door and going home. And, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to greet you again. I'd love to do that, but I just, I just can't. I can't I take the risk. So thank you so much for understanding. Thank you for loving me. And please continue to love one another and um, love Jesus. Okay? Oh, okay, sure. They want to pray for me. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh, I, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I asked you for it, and you gave it to me. Thank you. Thank you for your healing hand this morning, because when I woke up this morning, I didn't feel very good. But boy, uh, thank you for answering another one of our many prayers. And Lord, I thank you for my church family. I thank you for who they are. Thank you for what they've done. Because Lord, you, you are giving them the privilege of once again, of living by faith and not by sight. Lord, we have faced many sorrows as a church family. We have had many losses. But you are always bigger and greater than all our losses. We have the why question, but right now we have the answer to who. You are our who. You are our source of love, our source of grace, our source of mercy, and our source of strength. And we praise you for that. And so, Father, I commit this church family to you. I pray against the enemy who would come and steal and destroy the very things that you have come to give them. You came to give life and that more abundantly. I pray against his lies of his tauntings, of coming along and say, what good are your prayers? Look what's happening to Pastor Neil. I'm here to testify. God is being glorified because of what you're doing here. And we're here to stand against the lies and stand for the witness of the truth that you are doing great and mighty things. And Father, even at this hour and this time, I am not here to be glorified. I'm here to glorify you. And this church is on Germain Avenue to glorify you. This church body is going into the community where there's hurting, broken people to bring Jesus to the reality of Christ, his love, his grace and mercy. I pray that they, we as a church would be sold out to you so radically sold out that anything you asked of us, we will say yes to you. 
or whether you ask us to sell this, give up that, or take on this, accept this, whatever it might be, that we would be willing to say, yes, Jesus, no matter what, it's yes to you. And that, Lord, when it comes to you and us, may we be a yes, church. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, I will obey and trust you today. Yes, Lord, I believe you are faithful and true. Yes, Lord, I will to this very day surrender and live in a way that would honor and bring a smile to your face. So, Father, I pray also for Adrian, the church board. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint them with the Holy Spirit. May thy Holy Spirit come powerfully upon them. And may they know that they know that they do what they do, not with human wisdom and human thought, but rather to the glory of God and the glory of your, your wisdom. Father, may this board choose to follow you. And Father, no matter what it may look like, they will trust you. This may look like death, but I want to say this morning, it is life. And it is eternal life. My body may be is slowly whittling away, but the spirit that dwells within me will last forever. And we give you the praise and glory for this. And we trust you now in Christ's name. Amen.